everyone, and welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for TV and movie lovers. I'm your lady host, Sonia Stanger, and I'm joined in the studio by two wily characters who've absolutely stolen my heart. Oh. And I think they'd plead guilty to that. <laughs> Sean Dunham and Jeremy Laguie. Hello. Guilty as charged. Hello. This week, we're talking true crime. Yep. From fraud to serial murder, our society oh. is undeniably <laughs> obsessed with soaking up real crime stories in audiovisual format. And we think that's interesting. So let's talk about it. <laughs> wow. Maybe that part's a given if we're talking about and that's, it. And that, well, no, we'll continue not to always. talk about it. But isn't that neat? Isn't you know? that so neat? Isn't that just neat? That we're obsessed with murder. That we definitely. And you know, when I started preparing for this show, I thought it was going to be a downer. Mm. And then I just realized realize that it was a list of fun an stuff <laughs> and things that I watched that made me laugh, and we'll talk about it. Okay. Well, Jer, I think you might be underestimating, underestimating my ability to make to it a downer for you again <laughs> <laughs> and not let you get away that you got to pick the fun true crime. Well, maybe, true. but you know what? We're going to talk about it. Let's not go. all crimes can be fun, <laughs> Well, but they all can be true. <laughs> So deep, so so deep, Thank so wide. You. Um, okay, so let's get into it, mm-hmm. uh, pals. What is your relationship to true crime con? Oh, that's hard to say. True, true crime, crime content. Con- con- yeah. To true crime content by the seashore. By the seashore. <laughs> oh, seashore. <laughs> oh no. Uh, do you consume it? What do you think? I do not consume it. I so oh. rarely consume it. Mm. I don't like it. It makes me, it makes no. Me, it makes me feel quite uncomfortable. Mm. Um, also, you might not know this about me, but I worked on a true crime series <gasps> for a long time, mm-hmm. and it. And I was doing. The, I was the researcher, and I would read about a ton of truly heinous what did, acts like all day long. What did you What did you work on? Um, it was called Crime Stories. Oh, it was produced by Partners in Motion. Oh, and I was a researcher. And uh, so basically, one part is you're just cruising the internet looking for creepy stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, so you read a ton, and then you're like, okay, maybe this one will work. Then you just cold call, like, the investigators involved or, like, the victims' families. And then you interview them, and then you transcribe the interviews, and you make the episode, like, around those interviews. Ooh. So I've, you know... I've placed some awkward calls in my day. Yeah, wow. you know boots on the ground. I have boots on the ground, and basically, I don't live in bungalows. I don't. I live on second floors. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get near. <laughs> I don't get near the ground where people can reach a window. That's wow for sure. And Terrible. that's on living. And that's alone. on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, another. This is just a little. You know, stay sexy. Don't get. Uh, killed moment people that drive by you slowly on like bicycles they will usually come back and kill you <laughs> they're just looking around they're just looking to see just, like just oh who's here they're just scoping the 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 perusing and then they're like okay this seems like it'll be good and then they'll whip back and get you yes, so careful with that careful mm. with that you uh, want your bicyclist moving at a fast clip that's mm-hmm. all i'll mm-hmm. say about that one caveat i will add to that if they have a little rainbow helmet and they're me. It's Sonia. I just like to ride slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just like a leisurely pace. So uh, that's the one caveat. Don't, if scream, if don't scream at that gal. Don't, don't worry. She's cool. She's cool. She's cool. Uh, I do partake of the true crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, I think, a bit of a wuss in terms of the general 
uh, wife of the show is definitely just into like the oh, most heinous yeah. things, and then yeah. we'll just go straight to bed. Yeah, like she's totally fine with that, uh, which I will never understand. Anyway, um, I do like a good based on situation, mm, okay. like where yeah. where we get it through the filter of another, like of a person who's like melded characters into one and like altered things to make it a bit more enjoyable. Yeah, sort of an I Tonya situation, mm-hmm. um, or like. Uh, Ooh, what's the what, good one. Yeah, what's the other one? Uh the with the the guy, the big short. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um anyways. The guy with the, the guy baseball. With the yeah. I'm, def- I'm definitely down with that. Uh I will watch and a lot of my things tonight are like like of the Netflix long form situations. Some of them are just too mind blowing to not interact with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I do think that that is like a version of storytelling that is very compelling. Right, like the making a murderer yeah. mm-hmm. ilk. Um, and uh, I even watched like a few episodes of just a few of them because like, we can watch seasons for the whole show. And I was surprised at how I was like, I'll just watch this again. Like, oh. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I think I, like I know everything that's about to happen, but I'll just watch. Anyway, but Netflix did hit its stride with like that format of like 10 hour long investigation thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I definitely dig as well. Uh, I do now. Oh, I have a flashback right now. Oh my god! Uh, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. my grandparents would watch America's Most Wanted. Oh yeah, Ooh, uh, and I I hated watching that because they always would talk about the guy who's gone, and they would always say he's in Northern Canada, mm. and we were always camping in Northern Canada, and I always was like, he's here. He's literally where to camp from. This yeah. is this what this is where you come. Why would you not hide out? Why would you not take a grand a grandparent and a small child? <laughs> wow. Anyway, it always freaked me out. I just I had a flashback to that. Oh, oh my god! With that guy like yell talking, like he is still wanted and has <laughs> moved from North Dakota into yeah. Sk- Saskatchewan. He's a, you could never see. It's an alarming chat talk. <laughs> yeah, it's designed to scare you. It's, you're frightened. Yeah, it worked. I was a child, but yeah, that's interesting because. I think this week I was kind of thinking about the true crime obsession, the the true crime uh, industrial complex, if you will, yes, as a fairly new innovation. Mm-hmm. And I think some facets of it are, but then you think of like Unsolved America's Most Wanted, Unsolved Mysteries, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that's been on TV mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, I do think that you're correct in that there is a flavor of like, dare I say. White girl true crime. Yes, that you dare wa- and you should. <laughs> that has washed it, over the into a, uh, existence. Yeah, but um, yeah, I guess because I, I didn't even really th- think of that until. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, the success of cops obviously well, is like yeah, a which, wide like, sweeping. The concept or the show? <laughs> well, both. <laughs> both global policing. Yeah, no, the the show. What you know. My mom, my mom watches cops. <laughs> Let's just turn it on. Just it's, like, oh, <laughs> don't let me watch some poor guy get busted. Yeah, it's so upsetting, actually, and it quite really violent. Is. Yeah, in this really specific way. Um, so we've got three wusses in this dude. We <laughs> this do. This is what Yo. we're finding out today because I. I've gone through cycles when it comes to true crime, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely went through that phase of, like, you know, listening to my favorite murder all the time, which we'll talk about them some more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, just gobbling up these stories all the time. And then sort of getting to this point of, like, actually, 
I think this is bad for me and society. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do this anymore. So, like, am, am I going to sit here and say I don't consume any of it anymore? No, that would be a lie. Especially cult adjacent. Mm-hmm. Or, like, oh, yeah. I would say less of the kind of, like, serial killer stuff, but more of the, like, you know, like the Tinder swindler mm-hmm. yeah. or yeah. other crimes. I'm still deep in it. And, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you otherwise. I'm also interested in, like, financial crime, you mm-hmm. know, like that, like, like white collary things. Yeah. You know, like, I will watch that yeah. all the time. No, yeah. you know, just for notes, like, just to figure out how they See did how it, you know. could do it and how you could do it better. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So that's good. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of my favorite murder. Oh, yeah. And not to phrase this in too leading a way, I was like, <laughs> let me try and phrase this somewhat neutrally. Do you think there are any moral and ethical considerations that we should have <laughs> with this genre? I can't imagine where you'd be leading us. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty exploitative. As I was just telling you how I would just be like, hey, uh is this the is this the John whose sister was murdered in 1975? Like it, uh, it's really like victims' families just have to keep hitting, getting hit with these questions like over and over, and then like sometimes it'll like a groundswell of like, oh, this is popular again, like or this murder that happened, mm-hmm. um, and even just like talking to a lot of the investigators are pretty traumatized by yeah. investigating it. It's um, it's a lot of trauma. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people trauma, and I think the I think the the issue is that once it sort of gets handled in the media way, because I guess well we should maybe just put a put a asterisk on this whole thing that there's also like journalism related yes. to this, which also is sort of a different beast, which I don't think we're really talking about. Anyway, there's blurry lines in some ways, there but are. but uh, it is like the whole thing of like there is people who form opinions based on what is fundamentally storytelling and decisions that were made in terms of like pace or tone or music that really do influence what people think about what could or couldn't have happened. Uh, Making a Murderer obviously is like a pretty big moment in the Mm -hmm. sort of cultural like, because didn't people like write Obama to... I write Obama all released? the time. I write him every day. <laughs> Do you embarrass your was pen it, pals? Yeah. Was that was it for Making a Murderer? Or was it for a different show? Making well, Making well, a Murderer. Lots of people got involved in right, and like Adnan, like from Serial. Serial, yes. Yeah. Um, Same thing. But uh, yeah, it's just a complicated thing, just in general, you know, law and all of that sort of stuff. And then when you have what's basically just a bunch of yahoos. Like, weighing yeah. in on it, it can get pretty complicated. And then there's, like, a lot of responsibility on the part of the storyteller yes. at that part. So it is hard. And, like, Serial is, like, kind of on my list to talk about. Season one, because I've only listened to season one. Mm. Well, but, that's, a, that's the best choice. Yeah, that's, yeah. But there is, like, the big mind-blowing moment of Serial is when they get access to the gut. The guy that you think did it. Yeah. Right? Like halfway through, he starts telling his side of the story. And that's kind of the big revelation that you like, because that's not a thing you usually get. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is that, like, they do dive towards the sensational in terms of, like, because Tiger King is fundamentally a true crime story. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? absolutely. And, like, it, like, with a whole bunch of glitter and guns and tigers. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> The question of entertainment mm-hmm. and entertainment kind of being the central goal, I think yes. already you're in sticky territory mm-hmm. because immediately you're decentering 
the victims, the people who were harmed. And, like, depending on the type of crime, that's maybe more okay or or more not. Um, more glitzy. Yeah, yeah, but, like, my favorite murder in particular, a podcast, a very hugely popular podcast yes. that has made the two hosts rich. Like, I think they were both already pretty well off, but they, I would say, have been made millionaires. Oh, I, thought, I thought they were super poor at the start. Maybe. Wasn't that the thing? Yeah. Well, but, like, one... They were both, like, writers. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they were both know. already in Moderately the kind of celebrity-adjacent yeah. sphere. Mm-hmm. But have have made huge, massive profits from this. And, like, I think the way that they approach their storytelling is quite glib and, like, casual. Mm-hmm. And they'll sometimes make these, like, gestures and talk about, like, centering victims and stuff. But that doesn't undo the fact that your podcast is literally called My Favorite Murder. Right. And I think, like, that show in particular sparked some interesting conversation about, like, why people are drawn to true crime, which I think we should talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and some reflexivity about, like, yeah, I don't know, about, or I think it allowed people to kind of be more open about their interest in true crime in a way that I think is healthy, that people shouldn't just privately Hide have it. hobbies. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely, I don't know that they in particular have reckoned with like the 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 implications of mm-hmm. what they do but it's also like if it's a cash cow well yeah i'm gonna keep milking right exactly and people are people are into it but yeah i think that question of like who's telling the story what's the goal in the storytelling mm-hmm. what are they getting out of it how are people being impacted like these are all these are all questions mm-hmm. so in terms of the question i just asked why do we think True crime is so popular and people are so, so drawn to it. I have no idea. It is so not me. Yeah. I like it. I, I do not engage. I, I think that I don't. I, what I'm, the mechanism I'm about to describe is not tied to true crime, mm-hmm. but it's part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that humans, us. Got it. Love something that is like crazy. And sensational. Yeah. And then when we find out it's a real thing, it just like doubles down on the whole. And it's like, you, I don't know, there's like war stories from World War II that are crazy. And like, oh, man, that's so, so incredible. And the fact that it's real makes it so much better. Right. And so I do think that there is this like yearning for kind of like basically, I don't want to call them folk stories, but those sort of things that mm-hmm. do have like realism in them. And I do think, like, it seemed like in the 90s everything was, like, based on a true story. Yeah. And then you find out, like, oh, they were in Connecticut. Yeah. End of based. <laughs> like, like that's all, they, yeah. all that we got. And so I do think that, like, there's that element of it. Plus there's also, like, the, like, behind the scenes of the whole thing. Like, right now, if there was, like, the real Martha Stewart story, I'd probably watch it. Oh, oh I would be... Right? I would, I would be would right to, in there like a dirty I would run shirt. out the door. Right? Like, yeah. that's, like, an immediate thing to watch. Yeah. Like, okay, here's everything that happened in the 90s to Martha Stewart. And, like... And would someone play a young Martha, or is Martha sort of recounting... <laughs> yeah. Someone's recounting the story. I think they would have Martha be interviewed, because you can't right. not. Of course. But the person playing Martha would never be seen from the face. Like, you'd always just oh, see her back. It, it'd just or, see her blonde little Yeah, flip. like, like she'd always be, like, very reflexive that way. Anyway, what do you guys think? Is that a thing that we like? Like, is that just a thing that 
Well, people like humans love gossip. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're good at mm-hmm. it. And it is like helpful to us. And um, I guess in some ways it is just like a form of like, um, watch your back. This crazy mm-hmm. thing happened to this person mm-hmm. before. But, but it's also like a form of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard, you know, family members tell the same story four times, embellish the same parts. And like, it's a good story. It's a cool thing that happened to them that week. And like, that's how they tell it. And this might just be like the hyper. Wow, you calling out your family members hard right there. That's true. It's there with you. They all do it. Change your story. That's what we hear. We all do it. (laughs) I, something I was thinking about this week is that it's a way for people to reckon with these really scary things and things that are hard to understand and that are like, that that get at these really like fundamental human fears. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to almost like engage with these ideas, maybe in this like kind of lighthearted way, Mm -hmm. but it's still allowing you to kind of like process something, process Mm -hmm. that big overwhelming fear. Um, I think one of the things they talk about on my favorite murder is like women in particular, because, because violence is just such an immediate reality for women in our society. Um, it's a way to almost, like, prepare yourself. And I think there's some complicated nuance to some of that in terms mm-hmm. of, like, it, it almost gets victim blamey, you yeah. know, like the whole like stay sexy, don't get murdered yeah. thing, mm-hmm. when actually most of the time, and I don't say this to, like, instill helplessness in people, there isn't actually anything you could have done for it to turn out better. Like, bad yeah. things happen. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think I think it's a way of like almost like recontextualizing the fear and the it's almost like taking your power back mm-hmm. by taking engaging ownership. with the narrative or like yeah, engaging with it in a specific way. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is just like it is I don't know. When you do think about it, it's like if a serial killer was in your apartment, you just would have straight up you're just like, well, I didn't see that coming, and I went, to- <laughs> and you got me, gal. I'm like, I don't know, like, <laughs> well, like you, Dang I, it. yeah, like some, it does feel very just like wrong place, wrong time for me. Mm-hmm. But it also, like, it could be like in what you were saying, Sonia, like also just a reaction to. I do think things that like were more journalism, like uh, America's Most Wanted, and those sorts of things. We're like this weird, like, yelly, scary thing, right? So I could also see, like, a softening of that, too. Just, like, Mm. engaging with the content in a different way that is more pleasant or more palatable or whatever. Just because I do feel like the news in the 90s was... So terrifying. And just people yelling at the camera. Yeah. Well, and not just the 90s. Like, still, I I think there is a whole, like, business and, like, sociological aspect of... Fear. Yeah, instilling fear in yeah. the populace and, like, you know, the deep, like, racism that's going to be embedded in a lot of those narratives. The mm-hmm. You know, like, there's there's gun stuff for sure in there. Um, you know, like, making people feel the need to have guns, making them kind of, like, like, fear their neighbors, fear, fear the unfamiliar. Like, all, there's all kinds of, I think, a political angle that we could do a whole podcast on on its own. But, yeah, it just is interesting... I don't know. It's and that interesting that never, it's entertainment. There's never a lack of these stories. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's thousands. Truly thousands. And more being written every day. 
Yeah. Well, so on that note, I guess let's uh, let's get into some of them because we don't have time to talk about them all. Um, but what are some of the best or some of your favorite true crime projects? Well, I feel like we're all probably got taken with this zeitgeist of serial mm-hmm. um, of like what twenty fourteen, and it was the sort of uh, I had been listening to podcasts at the time, but. It was kind of the most, like, appointment-y, like, we all got to listen on Thursday or whatever, mm-hmm. and we all have to talk about it. And, yeah, it just sort of really changed the game, the audio game, I think. Mm-hmm. It definitely did. Yeah. 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 Both from, like, a, well, I think from, like, a storytelling perspective in terms of, like, how long is it? How, seven it's hours? not that long, yeah. It's like, That's pretty long. Like that, oh. like in terms of like a thing I'm going to listen to mm. for the you folks who podcast all day and night, which yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like, I don't think that that like because you'd listen to like an album or something. But I don't know if like long long form was like a thing then necessarily. Podcasts yeah. were around, but I don't know if they were. But they were like hour long, sort of right? Things. And like, they were also like produced all the way, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? Like 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 they were. Everything you could do to kind of like make it nice and add sound effects and music and all these things, like they did a really good job on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting one for me. And this is like a theme that I was kind of coming up against this week mm-hmm. because I really appreciate the way I can't think of her name. I literally was about to Sarah say Koenig. I was about to say Cindy Canning. <laughs> that's so funny though. <laughs> From only words in the building because there's like a spooky. Because they like lampoon Sarah Koenig. Sarah Koenig. Yeah. Sarah Koenig. <laughs> um, Tina Fey plays Sarah Koenig. Yes, I was like, don't say Cindy Canning, and then I couldn't think of anything else. Um, the way that she is part of the story and reflects on that and kind of makes that explicit, which is something that. A lot of, I think, the storytellers in these stories don't do. Like, they are part of it because they're part of mm-hmm. telling the story to us. And it's, like, their interpretation. And But it's that kind of, it's that thing where, like, they're not acknowledging. And I realize that a lot of my, a lot of true crime things that I appreciate are where the, like, author or whatever creator is, like, acknowledging kind of their relationship to the thing and where yeah. they the stuff that comes up for them. So mm-hmm. that's a big one, I think. Um, another one like that is uh, Michelle McNamara's yeah. Probably Gone in the Dark. Yeah, that's the big one I was thinking about. This oh, okay. Week. Yeah, she obviously was heavily involved mm-hmm. to the point of like kind of obsession of finding this serial killer. Um, I read this book a couple of years ago. It was It was also a very like... Don't be living in bungalows. Yeah, yes. Sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, I re I re listened to part of it this week, and yeah, I was like, oh, oh, this is one of those cautionary ones that does mm. make you think about locking your doors and makes me glad to live on the sixth floor of my building. Yeah. Um. But they did you guys watch the show? Yeah. Yeah. I did, I did not watch the show. Uh, the it's show really good. It's good, but it's kind of weird. Because it's half about her death and, like, reflecting on things that happen. And then it does make it seem like the investigation won. Like and it, I don't know if that happened. Like it, yes. Like it killed her? Well, but or, didn't she pick the wrong guy? Wasn't that what happened? No. she. I mean, she had – she didn't know at the end of her life. Right. 
they, she picked the wrong guy a lot of times, as did yeah. the investigators. But they had it hadn't been solved when she died. Right, but then I thought it got solved shortly after. Yeah, but for like a different. I thought I no, did, it was, I did not it was, follow up. Her her whole thing was that the um that like DNA records would mm-hmm. be the thing that would unlock the case, and that is what ultimately mm-hmm. solved it. That's how they found him, and he is in prison for the rest nice. of his life. Nice. Well, thank you, DNA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> DNA. But yeah, that's, save us again. <laughs> that's another one I would think. I think where I appreciate her like investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> too much investment, yes. perhaps. But. Yeah. Well, and she, but that's the thing. She was like reckoning with her obsession and like how her like obsession with the case sometimes led her to like kind of override that perspective on the victims and things like that. Mm. But she, but she, I think, always did a really good job to really to be really humane about it and to like refocus on the victims and to not kind of like sensationalize anyway i'm a stan i'm a michelle stan no teacups in the house for sure <laughs> oh my god teacups and saucers What's, why, why no teacups oh it? god it's a dark it's detail a, <laughs> it's, a dark <laughs> it's detail. a really dark detail we'll maybe tell you off we'll tell you off, off okay. the show Gosh, um no it's okay this it's a dark show jared do you have a uh, I've got a few. Uh, definitely cereal. Uh, I put cereal OG uh, because yeah, the second season. Was I know. I, I started listening try. to the second season, ready, just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, salivating, and then like no <laughs> sophomore slump for sure. Uh, well, and I do think it's probably a good thing for us to talk about because that that also happened with um, Tiger King. Mm. And oh no, it was Tiger King the one I was thinking of? Oh no, and Making a Murderer, oh, yeah. where they go for the season two, and it doesn't work because they kind of had like five years to put a story together, and then did that, and then need another one like two years later right. after they've kind of like exhausted everything. And I do think those second seasons are pretty harmful, especially uh-huh. like did you guys watch Making a Murderer season two? No, uh, it got like. Like, they really had to, like, insert themselves to get that content, I yeah. felt. And then, because it was about the nephew? Brendan. Yes. And, like, that's sort of what the whole thing centered around. And then Tiger King Season 2 as well, which I think I actually stopped watching because they were, like, going to look for the dead husband in other countries. Oh and like, God. Oh, yeah. It got super weird. I totally forgot. Yeah. And so, like... It's just kind of strange and I think probably like a little bit harmful when like they do have to start stretching into like the conspiracy of it. And like even in Tiger King, I think they like reflected on like how big of a hit the show was. Yeah. And then other people had like a bigger role because they wanted to get paid. Right. So like people they had just interviewed once or twice now were trying to like be the focus of an episode. So like. Maybe they're, like, embellishing or lying or, like, Mm -hmm. sort of trying to, like, get more content, right? Like, so, like, moving from just sort of saying what happened to, like, things that would sort of, like, drum up more content. So, I don't know. You got to watch out. How many serials are there? You got to watch out. I think there might be three. three. Okay. Have you listened to And there's also three Tiger Kings. No. Yeah. Because there's, like, there's this third season where the one doc, like... So, I don't know. I think that's the second season. Oh. No, is... they like, I think the third season is like a full deep dive into Doc. Oh. Say that. I'm looking. I'm looking. Three okay. Times. Well, yeah, we got to get more info, I guess. 
it's so it's wild you because you're like oh yeah all of this content i've consumed has just run together well yeah and we we, we just watched tiger king like march it came out what march of 2020 so I, we obviously were all inside and we all just watched it and it went through me like water. <laughs> so what was your what was your face? What did you see? What was my Did you research that? The oh, third season I, I, no? I still can't tell. But uh, the guy Doc Antle just like just got picked up for animal trafficking. Like, oh, good. A few months ago. That's good because he's a criminal. Yeah, sure. like for real. So, um, but with that good news, <laughs> it's time for us to take a quick break, make our one phone call, and hear a word from our sponsors. <laughs> we'll be right back with more spoiler alert here on ninety-one point three FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. We are going to get back to talking true crime in just a second. Uh, but first, we are going to play a little game lovingly called The Game. It's game time, people. Wee! Oh, my gosh. I do not endorse cops, by the way. <laughs> it's pretty solid, though. Uh, for those who don't know, or if you're just tuning in, The Game is where I spend around 17 seconds this week looking for a title related to our topic. Wow. I tell these two what the title is, they tell me what they think it's about, and I tell them what it's really about, and we have a great time. Are you guys ready to play the game? I think uh-huh. so. Uh, this week's title is The Iceman. <gasps> that title again, The Iceman. And does the he Ice or does Man. he not cometh? Yeah, I would, <laughs> Thank you, Sean. <laughs> why, would, why would you do that? <laughs> because it's a title. I know. Oh. Anyway. Oh, I missed that it was still the bit. And then I thought I was explaining oh, it. And it was then okay. I it was ruined okay. the bit. It was okay. You didn't ruin the bit. The bit, the bit is good. Um, okay. You know, okay. I yes, I, I I can do this. I believe that it is about a man that uh, it's true crime, obviously, mm-hmm. and he poses as a refrigerator repairman. Yep, um, and he has a little uh, he has a little van that says the Iceman, and he comes into your house to repair. But then while he's there, he actually steals everything he can get and puts it in his bags and takes it away, and. Um, so he is the, uh, you know, the evil refrigerator repairman that people are on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, okay. I like that. Wow. Um, okay. I think this is a documentary about um, a crime spree in New York in the 70s that spanned multiple summers where um, this crime ring was running a racket where they were alleging that they would sell people those big, big blocks of ice. Yes, <laughs> like, I'm familiar. That's our I buy one every do, summer. Do you mean ice cube? No. Yeah, a big, but, but big, a big, big, a big, big old, big, big, big old block. Ice cube, but big. Yeah. Um, and then they would do a scam where they would show up with. It was actually made of glass because <laughs> oh. for some reason that that's less expensive for them to manufacture. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe it was hollow. And then, yeah, and then they would, you know, get skedaddle, and then people would be like, wait a minute, this isn't going to cool down my house at all. I am a mamma mia. I'm a mia. <laughs> my apartment is hot. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's about, it's about um, you know, their ongoing crime spree and eventual downfall, mm-hmm. I wow. believe. I believe they were caught. Okay. Wow. Thank you. Thank you both. Y'all remember that this is a true crime episode. Right? Yeah, I think okay. that really happened. Here. I thought that happened as well. Okay. 
<laughs> Jeremy. Uh, happy to say you're all both wrong in all ways, shapes, and forms. No. Uh, Dice Bandit looks okay. It actually did pretty bad at the box office. Uh, the Iceman is a 2012 American biographical crime film loosely based on a hitman. Uh, it stars Michael Shannon, which, as we all know, Jeremy is a fan. Mm-hmm. Winona Ryder, James Franco, Ray Liotta, and Chris Evans, which is a pretty good yeah, cast. Right? Hey. It's pretty good. Uh, anyway, uh, it is about a real man who uh, kind of uh, was called the Iceman because he felt zero remorse for anything that he <gasps> oh. did uh, and would uh, – I'm not going to detail it on the radio. <laughs> That's anyway, good. Uh, but he would do stuff and then just go home and like hang out with his family and like mm. live a normal life and then just like go to work and totally like feel nothing about all of the things he was doing. Uh, there are probably things like you know cracking people's knuckles, yeah, or like you know, yeah, cutting just, their ponytails yeah. off, just just roughing up people's collars, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. definitely skipping lines uh, at the grocery store. <laughs> anyway. Um, it looks pretty interesting. The story certainly looks interesting. Um, but uh, he got involved with the Gambino f- crime family because oh. uh, he was able to do things that no one else was willing to do because he didn't really care. Uh, and he actually was uh, – uh, his life was ended shortly before his trial where he had agreed to testify against the uh, Oh, what so, a coincidence. Yes. Ice. Yes, yes, yes. He got uh, the Iceman iced. <laughs> For yeah. what seems to be a Uno Luke, reverse card on that, <laughs> a, a lukewarm uh, Michael Shannon film. Check out the Iceman. I am Sorry, not. Did, you, did I, you write that? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. I, like, I don't even know if I'd watch this. Like, I'm just like looking at it, and it's just like. Mm, that's kind of a flop at the box office. Mm. So, yeah, uh, but it might be a thing to check out, especially if you like true crime. Uh, you guys, thank you for playing the game. Thank, thank you, you. Uh The game has been brought to you by the upcoming CJTR Radiothon. Uh, we're really excited for Radiothon this year. We need a whole bunch of money. Oh, we need money, baby. Yeah, we need it bad, okay? Uh, If you love the station. Real talk. (laughs) You're going to support it. Yeah. Uh, More details to come. We're going to do something fun. Uh, Everyone's going to do something fun. Yeah. For Radiothon, which starts on the 13th. 13th. Uh, So please consider uh, definitely donating (laughs) to CJTR as soon as you can. Uh, That would be great. Thanks, Jer. (laughs) Thank you guys for playing the game. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to get back to talking true crime. Um, I remembered something over the break that I forgot to say. <gasps> I promise it'll be quick. Vis-a-vis moral and ethical considerations, uh-huh. so much true crime is copaganda. Oh, I'll yeah. mostly leave it at that. Can, but you it, un- can you unpack what you mean by copaganda? What I mean is it gives people the impression that, A, the police are on our side, which, questionable, mm-hmm. especially if you come from certain demographics. Uh, B... It suggests that cops will save the day, which unfortunately is often not true Mm -hmm. when it comes to violent crime. And it sort of just makes the relationship between policing and crime a very simple black and white situation. And I think leads us to maybe not consider the complexities of A, how we construct crime and B, our reaction to it as a society and the carceral system at large. Thank you, Sanj. <laughs> Thank you for letting me get on my little soapbox. There we go. But I was like, I have to say the word copaganda or else what yeah. I haven't or done. Else or else what? Or else mm-hmm. what? Okay. They'll take mm-hmm. me away. Um, <laughs> okay. Are there any other best true crime things we want to talk about before we move on to what we watched? Uh, I got one. 
Okay. Uh, I hope you'll all agree. I do think that the epitome of the Netflix show was The Keepers from 2017. Oh, uh, oh my God. Which uh, haunts me to this day. Uh, it haunts you? Oh, man. That is an absolutely crazy story. Um, but it's... Yeah. I but it's not because Whoa. it didn't nothing happened. Is that the one about the nuns? Yes. N- the wait, nun, nuns? singular nun. Oh, I'm yeah. so well, there's more sorry. Than I thought you were talking about the Oh my god. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Jennifer Coolidge is a realtor like we're what the people are <laughs> live in that house. <laughs> <laughs> I am so one. sorry. That I is, was like, that is. I'm is like, that also called the keepers? <laughs> it's it's like the watcher. The watcher. Oh, oh yes. sorry. The watcher yes, yes, who yes. watches. That's I so was fun. like that. That's so fun. That chilled you to the bone. <laughs> that <laughs> yes. is got so me, funny. Got me so hard. Uh, okay. No. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, the sorry. keepers is uh, a, a telling of uh, the unsolved murder of Catherine Senek. Is that how you say that? Maybe? I think so. Yeah, it just... Anyway, um, and then the abuse that happened at the school where they believe she was murdered to cover it up. uh, And, like, the victims involved in all of that. And uh, when it was on, my wife and I just watched, like, every next episode. Like, Like, it was literally, like... Two or three in the morning, and we had to watch the next episode. Oh my god! Uh, Ellen had watched wife of the show. Ellen. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> she, we, we know. Yeah. We're familiar. Uh, she had watched one episode, and then she stopped because she was like, "Oh, you have to watch it." Mm. And the first episode does this little trick thing where you just think it's about a murder. Yeah. And you're like, it's not as good as making a murderer, honey. Obviously, like it's not as good. Honey. But then there's a cliffhanger, <laughs> and you're like, uh. And then you learn about sort of like the like system of abuse that happened in Baltimore at that time, which honestly is just absolutely crazy. And really, like, if technology has solved one thing, hopefully it could be that scale of something because that was horrendous. Anyway, uh, it was masterfully made and the story is absolutely insane. Yeah. I have not seen. Oh, man. Oh. Sure. I am very intrigued. Oof. I've heard it's amazing. I've heard it from you. Watch the first two. If you if you don't like it after two episodes, that's fine. But you will like it Give after it the two. first. Yeah, okay. two. It's two. You got to do two. Um, oh, there are so many. Like I'm like mm-hmm. it's almost nonsensical to keep listing them because it's like going to be an incomplete list no matter what. But I'll just rattle a few off quick, maybe. Mm-hmm. Can you ever forgive me? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So good. Um, Black Klansman. So yep. good. Uh, I, Tanya, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, All the President's Men is on my list. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. I don't know. It feels like that doesn't fit with no. the others, but it's very good it's, also. It's true crime. Important. Um, Of course, Zodiac. Like, yeah. You gotta. I watched it this week. Oh, okay. Did you? Yeah. Uh, it's, well, yeah. I didn't want to talk about it a ton, just because, like, we that have. is cause it's David Fincher, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just like it so much, and I, like, know all the tricks that they did. And I appreciate it for that reason. And, like, that's really lame of me. No. <laughs> well, but yeah. it's just, like, like I just really like how they did, like, digital effects in the movie. And, like, you can't really tell. And it's, like, just a nerd thing that kind of, like, bypasses what the actual story is about. But it is still super good. Yeah. And those are valid reasons to mm-hmm. like something. But the Zodiac Killer... Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to sound kind of stupid. Ted Cruz. <laughs> just, but... kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But maybe not. Oh, but maybe... But he is not discovered. But correct in the film, do they not kind of lead you to believe that someone is the killer? They do. Okay. Yes. Well, they be- they no. They lead you to believe that one person believed that someone was the killer. 
Okay. And that person played Drew Carey's brother on the Drew Carey show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mr. Carey. Not, not IRL. The, other- yeah. <laughs> the actor. The actor. The other Carey. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> that was what almost... A, what we a pointless almost fact. Just had a what a pointless, what a pointless <laughs> fact to give. We almost just had our first spit take on the show. Jeremy laughing at his own joke. That's, um, That's totally fine. Well, okay. Then let's get into... Talking about what we watched this week. Mm-hmm. So Jerry watched Zodiac, but he doesn't think it's important to talk about because he likes it for the wrong reason. I, yeah. watched, I watched I watched a lot of stuff this week. Okay, cool. <laughs> Whoa, really? Okay. Yeah. Sean, what do you gotta, like? Gotta say I'm pretty light, so. I'm, I'm going to keep him Keep him, keep him on our, keep him on retainer. I'm good to go. Okay, I'll just talk about the bling ring. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sophia Coppola film based on a very ballsy uh, romp of... A uh, group of kids that just like used. I okay. I I respect them a lot because they just looked on the internet, saw that Paris Hilton was in this city at this time, looked on the internet, found out Paris Hilton's address, and then just oh goes over there and pop into her house, steal her stuff. She doesn't even notice. They do that a million times, and they do it to so many celebrities. And it's like, well, on this it's actually on you guys. <laughs> no one locked your houses. Yeah. I don't support victim blaming unless it's celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, That's Orlando fair. Bloom. Why don't you not put the key under the bath mat or whatever? Bath mat. Welcome, Matt. That would be wild. You yeah. have to break into the bathroom to, to get, get the out. Key. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Basically, that's all. That's all I want to talk is about. This, is the movie good? The movie is very good. It's very. Mm. It's pretty. Good. I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's oh, crazy. really? Yeah. It's so fun. Um. And actually, Emma Watson. Yeah. Weirdly, puts in a great performance. She does, and it was like a thing where, like, it was the moment that she was like breaking away from Hermione, mm. and then she just like I don't. Is she acting? I don't even know. Because I have always kind of been like, okay, Emma, yeah. like, you hit it big when you were a kid, but mm-hmm. you're kind of a, f- like, flop actress. But she was really great. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah, she did a great job. Yeah. Uh, the whole cast of kids, of, like, wild kids, <laughs> are, uh, I like them. Anyway. When did it come out, roughly? 2016. Oh, okay, so newish. Yeah. Newish, yeah. Oh, well, that's seven years ago. Paris okay. Hilton has <laughs> a, <laughs> Paris Hilton has a cameo as herself. Oh, I do like that. Because she does get stolen from. <laughs> and they make fun of her big feet. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, these, no one can fit into these heels. Yeah. That's funny. It was funny. Okay, well, I might watch that. Get into it. It's pretty good. And it's like a true crime that mm. doesn't make me feel really depressed. Yeah. yeah. In Care? fact, it makes me on their side a little bit. Uh, yeah, exactly. More on the true crime that doesn't make you feel super depressed, because that's kind of what I just call me a this moron. Week. Yeah, no, that's really more rude. more on. Uh, I'm so sorry. I have to talk to you guys about this movie because you're gonna hate it, and that's okay. Okay, okay. But Thank it's you. really great, and you should maybe watch it. You'd still hate it after you saw it, though. Okay. But that is, of course, Michael Bay's 2013 epic Pain and Game. Pain what? and game. Oh my god, it is so crazy. So, what are you saying to me? Oh my, I so I when I watched this in the theaters, I went with my dad. I remember it so well, and I didn't realize it was a Michael Bay until the very end, where it's like <laughs> when a car explodes. By Michael Bay. I was just watching uh, that big explosion. Like, Wait. <laughs> no, no car explosions, no real gunfire or anything like that. I think this was after Miami Vice, and like they're so similarly made. Like, mm. like the vibe is just like the camera work and everything. Anyway. Uh, Michael Bay 
made this movie about the Sun Jim gang. Hmm. Anyway, I'm not familiar. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the movie stars Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson, and Anthony Mackie. Tony Shalhoub and Ed Harris are also wow. in. Tony Shalhoub? Yes. I'm in. Anyway, they're all, the three of them, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> not the old ones. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson, and Anthony Mackie all play. There were there was like actually seven people, and they merged them into three dudes for the movie. So this is okay. like, again, the based on the true mm. story. Anyway, they are all super buff the whole time, and of they course. work out at this gym, and it's all about them building muscle, and they're all really stupid. Anyway, at some point, uh, Mark Wahlberg's character figures out that they're going to kidnap this guy, and then instead of holding him for ransom, they'll just make him transfer all of the money and stuff to them. And it works, and then the guy's played by Tony Shalhoub, and they try and kill him, but they can't do it, and he kind of escapes. (laughs) And so they, like, take his house and his car and all of his money and, like, live everything up, and then they exhaust it all, because, again, they're not the smartest group. And then they have to do it to someone else, but then Tony Shalhoub's character is still alive. Anyway, this all happened in real life. Wow. And uh, eventually uh, a bunch of the men, one of them got sentenced to life in prison. A few of them got like 15 plus years and a few of them got like seven years for the things that they did. But they were like kidnapping people. In the end, there was uh, it was like a manslaughter situation and kind of two of those. So there were accidents, but they were like... They put people in situations where they could die. Yeah. And, and then, then they, they did die. Them. Right. Like, so anyway, um, but uh, the movie's really funny. <laughs> oh, my God. What? And uh, even from the get go, it's like approached with like, they're always like, it's the 90s. And they're like pumping iron, and, like shouting these slogans and stuff. Anyway, it's crazy. Okay. Sounds, it's nuts. I, it's sounds nuts. Loud. It's good. Yeah. Well,. Okay. <laughs> to break the streak <laughs> of crimes let's, that aren't too depressing. Um, I revisited a little 2005 number uh, this week, Capote. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, let's get meta with let's it. Let's go. Very. So, to, for, for those who don't know, in 1959, in rural Kansas, um, uh, I was like, how do I say this in a non-awful way? There isn't a non-awful way. A, f- a family, family goes bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, a family was brutally murdered in their home in the middle of the night. And um, famous New York socialite author Truman Capote, who uh, was quite famous already for writing Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, read the story and was like, I'm going to write a book about this. Mm-hmm. And so he went to Kansas with his best friend Harper Lee. <laughs> and... Uh, essentially kind of wormed his way into the community and befriended the accused killers and ended up writing what he calls the first nonfiction novel. So kind of making what happened into a sort of cohesive narrative. And he was very loosey-goosey with the details. Mm -hmm. Um, But so this film um, is Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote, just doing this, like, absolutely masterful, you know, Seymour Hoffman thing where he completely becomes a person. Um, and it kind of follows him going through this experience of going to Kansas and writing this book. And it grapples with uh, a lot of the ideas that were coming up for me this week in terms of, like, like we were saying, like, the exploitation 
of the victim stories. And in this case, this really interesting moral quandary of the exploitation of the accused murderers who were on death row, who one in particular, he really led to believe was his friend, but he was really just using them to become wildly successful from this book. Mm -hmm. Now, I should say, it it also kind of ruined his life in a way, I think. Like, I think so, yeah. The movie kind of grapples with this and leaves it quite gray, but like, he never published another book. He died of alcoholism, well, from complications of alcoholism. Like, he, it, it shook him, I think, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, but it's really good. It's, mm-hmm. It's a really good film. Have you guys seen it? Oh, yeah. But Long that was, time ago. When did it come out? 2005. Yeah, that was when I saw Yeah, same. I think I got it from the blockbuster. Oh, my god! If I'm not mistaken. I think I watched it with my mom. You would have been didn't like, understand so mm-hmm. much of it. Yep, that's yeah, also what I did. Y'all were young. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, you were 15 and you were 13. Yeah. And I know. Good math. I'll, I'll do math. <laughs> um... But yeah, I guess I'm like, I don't think I really have much else to say about it. But I think um, I was thinking about how that maybe is actually one of the like er texts of true crime. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like, I think that was kind of the first book of its kind. Well, maybe because there's also like like uh, like Jack the Ripper stories, right? Mm-hmm. Like that whole thing. And I do think that's like maybe more of the mythology bit of it, which makes sense for his reaction to like. Right, the first real true crime, like, you know, to actually expose it. Um, but I do wonder, we need someone from across the pond to weigh in. Is like, is it the same over there in terms of the interest mm. of true crime? Or is that just a North American thing? Yeah, that is interesting. I think I it's probably globalization has had an effect now. Probably. It must have. Do you remember that Jack the Ripper movie? From Hell? Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. No, it was good. I, I considered watching it this week because it's very good. It's very entertaining. Uh, there is, like, only so much Johnny Depp a man can watch in his life, I well. guess. Like, I think that's – I think there's a, a number there. Yeah. It's different for everybody, but I might have hit mine. I can't tell. Uh, anyway, but, um, yeah. They, cause like they, Uma Thurman, right? Uh, I think so. Uma? I'm maybe I'm – maybe it's not. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, maybe I'm thinking of her as uh, – in Les Mis. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, Wait, it's all around. Who's in Les Mis? She's in like this non-musical oh, version. Okay. A really sad non-musical it's, version. It's Heather Graham. You're thinking of Heather Graham? Oh. I am thinking of Heather Graham. <laughs> wow. Different leggy blonde. Yeah. Yes. But uh, From Hell, obviously, an ama- was a very good movie. Um, it does kind of like solve the mm. who Jack who the Ripper was. was yeah. But then explain why he was never found kind of thing. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, there is uh, a scene in this movie because, spoiler alert, Ian Holm is revealed to be Jack the Ripper and they digitally, like, alter him and it looks so much like what they did in Lord of the Rings oh. that, like, it breaks the whole thing. It's crazy. <laughs> so, Weird. It's wild. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's nuts. Okay. I yeah. just remember owning that DVD at one point in my life. Didn't we all? Didn't Probably we watching all? it once. You know how DVDs are. You know how DVDs are. All right. Let's keep going. What else did we watch this week? 
Well, this is Jeremy now. Oh, okay. I watched uh, <laughs> Catch Me If You Can from 2002. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. Again, very fun. Tom Hanks, Leo DiCaprio, a young Leo, which we all kind of preferred anyway. Um, and that's the story of Frank Abagnale Jr., who defrauded the uh, everybody with yeah. with fake checks? I didn't realize how much money it was. Like it was like like one point eight million dollars yeah. in whatever year that was. Yeah. So like that's an astronomical amount of money. Well, he had so many costumes to buy. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely true. That's one hundred percent true. Get his pilot uh, costume. Sean knows. <laughs> anyway, I did watch some stuff with the real Frank and Neil, Oh, interesting. Uh, and just him talking about like oh, the movie because he. He became an FBI agent, right? He did. Yeah, that's well. He works for the FBI, kind of like into perpetuity because of what he did. Um, but he said, like, because uh, Hand Ratty, who was played by Tom Hanks, they eventually just became very good friends, and like, oh, there was it, tension. Yes, yeah, mm. mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. was friend tension. <laughs> <laughs> friend tension. Friend and tension. they were roommates. No, <laughs> oh, uh, I don't think that's true. Yes. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> But but Catch Me If You Can is just like a Steven Spielberg fun sort of version of crime yeah. <laughs> that happened. A uh, lot of really great moments from Leo and Tom here, especially when Leo like pretends to be an FBI agent to get away from Tom Hanks and gives him his like wallet full of stickers. You know, like just crazy little fun scenes. There's no way... That ever happened in real no. life. <laughs> and if someone gives you your police badge, you I'll pop it right open. <laughs> yeah, that's, you yeah that's 100%. You don't know, hang on to it for a while. No, but uh, everything got you know hit with the wand of Spielberg and Ooh. it got ET'd. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Not the wand of Spielberg. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, whoa. <laughs> Do you have another one? Uh, not really. Okay. I also was. Yeah, you can go. Because I yeah, because I do. Um, I watched a new a new one from this year, um, called Boston Strangler. Oh, oh I about, saw it. I Boston saw it Strangler. <laughs> yeah, what's it about? I saw it on Disney Plus. Yeah, Ooh. it is on Disney Plus. Um, it was okay. Like it, it's kind of more about uh, these two fam- female journalists who really kind of broke the story and mm-hmm. like kind of. I don't know, shaped the trajectory of the case in their reporting, with their reporting. Because what year did The Strangler be Bostoning? 63, I think, is the the beginning. Okay. And then it was like a few years. Um, Yeah. It's 60s, I think. Okay. Um, And interestingly, it's uh, Keira Knightley and Carrie Coon, neither of whom are American, doing their American accents and doing a pretty good job. Oh, they do? But you guys know that European actors... Doing yeah. an American accent is one of my favorite things. Especially from makes Boston. Me Boston. But they weren't, they didn't even try oh, okay. to do Boston. They just, they were like, hey, where's my Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> yeah, like some of the cops do. And then you're, it like kind of breaks the immersion because you're like, okay, we got to, I know not everyone in Boston has a Boston accent, mm-hmm. but this is spotty and we need to sort this out. <laughs> um, you can tell it was directed by a man. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> uh, just in some of it, just in the way that so they deal with some of it. So you're saying that there was a shower scene? <laughs> for no reason. Actually, no shower scene. Oh, there we go. But like at first, I was like, oh, they're being really tasteful in how they're, well, not really tasteful, but somewhat thoughtful in mm. how they're depicting some of the scenes of violence where they would like cut away and you would sort of hear things but not see right. things. And then no, like 20 minutes in, <laughs> they just show you this absolutely vile, violent scene. Oh, and I'm like, no. oh, okay, never mind. Going for it. 
And yeah, just some of the dialogue and stuff where you're like, mm, this sounds like a man writing a woman. There we go. Um, oh my God. But yeah. Does he almost triangle women? Yes. Yep. And part of the whole thing was like his MO changed partway through. So there's still debate about whether or not it was just one person or oh. multiple. And honestly, the movie makes it kind of confusing. And that's a quibble I have. I'm like, you took the time to like put this into movie narrative format, mm-hmm. but you still m- left the story confusing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's not, that doesn't work for me. That's fair. Um, but that is all the time we mm-hmm. have for this week. Uh-huh. So all the thanks to Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna, to my co-hosts, Sean and Jeremy, everyone at CJTR, and to you, our beloved listeners, for lending us your ears. The show is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Fridays at 3, and we're available as a podcast on CJTR's website and anywhere else you get your podcasts. My Electric is coming up next. Have a great week. Bye. See ya. Bye.